I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Well, the karate punch is like an iron bar. whacked. A kung fu punch is like an iron chain. With an iron ball attached to the end, and it go wang, and it hurt inside. Welcome back to the Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and in today I had uh, the pleasure of having one of my friends and main inspirers on the show, Mr. Sean Stevenson. Um, really, really wonderful conversation. We kind of, I think we kind of bent things out of Sean's normal talk show territory, which was really fun. So we got to kind of go down some interesting rabbit holes and getting into uh, his journey going from when he was 20 years old, I believe he was diagnosed with degenerative disc disease. And uh, he was not satisfied with that diagnosis and changed it up. And so we get into his path of how he nurtured his spine back to health and his whole body back to health and all of the kind of maybe less than obvious facets of his, his journey back to health and uh, into ease. Degenerative disc disease is something that we think of as being some kind of incurable parasite that's sucking the juice out of our spine. And really it's a product of, uh, of, of poor health, poor movement function, poor diet. And if we are able to re-nurture our spines, bring ourselves back into alignment, uh, feed ourselves food that's not buffering calcium and pulling uh, all the nutrients out of our spine, we end up getting out of dis-ease and come back into ease. And that was what uh, Sean was not told when he was 20. And that's what he's now telling the world. He's got a number one rated podcast in iTunes called Model Health Show. Go check that out ASAP. Um, he's got a best-selling book called 21 Ways to Sleep Smarter, something I got still on my shelf right here. And I recommend to all sorts of people, clients and friends alike. And... I think that's, uh, yeah, I hope you guys love this episode. First of all, it's about just being fit, you know, having a six pack. Then it just kind of evolved more into being functional. And then from there it evolved into being real, you know, being more human. Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit, hollow foam roller, screw-in lids, two different size uh, myofascial release balls, elastic band with a door anchor so you can adjust the height of that band, and really get your self-care practice on the road, um, literally and figuratively. Uh, there's no time that we cannot be working with our bodies if we are in proper alignment, if we are organizing and stacking our bones, stacking our connective tissue, balancing ourselves left side, right side, inside, outside, then our bodies become anti-fragile. Really fun book by Nassim Talib. I'd recommend checking that out as well. This concept of when we get our body into alignment, not just a body, it's in relation to lots of different things, but when we get our body into alignment, then life, the stresses of life become eustress, they become beneficial, they, become, they make us stronger. But we are constantly in a state of dis-ease and we have some oblique shearing forces on our 
what have you, our calcaneal tendon or our ankle or knee or whatever, then the stress of life of picking something up off the ground, whatever it may be, ends up deteriorating us and breaking us down. Eventually we need surgery. If we can get our parts stacked up in alignment, people, I'm telling you, life becomes therapeutic and that's what we're shooting for. Um, Upon your checking out the 21 Ways to Sleep Smarter book from, from Mr. Sean, highly recommend it. Uh, maybe you can get that on the Amazon link on the website. Um, it's the affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and the podcast page. Please and thank you. Use that. Bookmark that. Every time you use Amazon to buy random crap or wonderful things like this book, um, utilize that, and then I get 7% of your purchase. It's freaking awesome. It costs you absolutely nothing, and it's it's rad. It's funding this podcast. It's awesome. Um, quote. Quote of the day is from Mr. Bruce Lee. I'm all about Bruce Lee, obviously. Uh, quote we got for you is absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, and add what is specifically your own. So following Bruce Lee's advice, I have uh, been exploring yoga pretty pretty relentlessly last month. I'm going about two hours-ish or so a day and researching it and just getting real curious. And uh, something that I've noticed with people's yoga practices is a tendency for people to exaggerate this folded forward hyperkyphotic position that we have through our thoracic spine. Thoracic spine being those middle 12 vertebra where we get that kind of like hunchbacky thing going. And uh, if you look at yoga, it started 5,000 odd years ago somewhere in northern India. Uh, people probably weren't using things like cell phones and iPads and iPods and, and hunching forward and driving in our cars, our bucket seats, and all of these positions that exacerbate this forward folded hyperkyphotic broken fetal position that adults are practicing so what um, following Bruce Lee's work I would uh, something that I would leave behind with with certain people's yoga practice the practice of yoga itself is fantastic it comes from you know, I think it's the word what is it Yuge, I believe it's a Sanskrit word meaning yoga union and that's structural integration. So when we are connecting all these joints and we're able to find this long, beautiful, neutral spine and from there we start to move, that's gorgeous. But just for folks, if you are practicing yoga, something to look out for, something that I witness in every class that I've been to so far is an emphasis on reaching to our toes and being able to get this hypermobility and at the at the expenditure at the expense of um, breaking our spine and exacerbating these positions that are already uh, causing us pain so anywho that's something that i've been noticing with the yoga we're sponsored by audible.com just just recently so thanks audible um audible's radical audiobook uh online company of sorts they are awesome I, they are like the leading audiobook folks in the world i'm sure and um really really high quality books i would highly recommend they had a free gift for y'all jump on audible a-u-d-i-b-l-e.com slash uh, try now and uh, you'll get a free audio book free month subscription with them no no ties whatever you can just cancel and uh, I'd recommend getting a big old book if you do because they're all free so if you get a thousand page book or if you get uh, you know whatever a little pamphlet it's the same price so get a big one there and enjoy it that's my recommendation all right that was that was this is probably the longest intro I've had for a long time I've been working on cutting them cutting them back and I'm, I'm failing you my apologies um, 
I think that might be it. Thanks so much for reviews on iTunes. They are greatly appreciated. Make the algorithm gods happy and make more people see the show and make me smile. One thing, I uh, failed to press record in the very beginning of this conversation when I uh, just started talking. So I didn't miss out on anything that Sean said, luckily. Um, so what I had asked him was uh, some of the more subtle details of um, his his reversing the spinal degeneration and such beyond the diet. I think oftentimes when we do feel empowered in our choices and our decision making, we, we change our diet up. Oftentimes there's other kind of spillover effects with that of kind of taking the wheel of our life in a lot of different ways. And I think that um, even just having like the intention or the maybe like the placebo effect of really valuing our food, valuing the decisions we make, I think there are grander effects on our biology that we don't necessarily give any credit. And that's how we got things going. Sean is going to break it down. All right, here we go. Sean Stevenson. Align Podcast. I knew that I needed to change some of the things I was doing with my health, but I asked instead of why me, why won't somebody help me? Why are these physicians not uh, saying what I want them to say, I started to ask, what is it that I need to do to change? Yeah. What is it that I need to do to recover from this? Mm -hmm. And things that were coming up for me weren't like you should start eating organic food. It was more like you need to stop, you know, taking advantage of all these girls that you're going to college with. You know, it's like you need to be more honorable in, and impeccable in your word. You need to be, you need to show up better in, um, in a context of I had a daughter at the time, my little girl, and not just being a dad who's paying for stuff, but actually being a dad who's teaching her things, you know? And so all of these type of things start to come up for me. And there was an immense clearing of all of that, you know? So for me, when I was cleaning my body, as far as changing the way that I was eating, I was simultaneously cleaning all of these toxic relationships that were around me, you know, that were very... Um, they weren't symbiotic relationships. We'll just put it like that. You know, it's that what is, there's that that is parasitic, all right, parasitic on multiple sides, you know, so all of that stuff just simultaneously. And I, I didn't set out to do that, though. All right. It wasn't like, OK, I'm going to get rid of all these um, these hoochies and, you know, I'm going to start flying right. But it just it just started to happen as I wanted to become better. You know, so it wasn't just about eating better food which I, I did buy into it 120% that food is everything, you know, and I would tell people that and I would teach that for years. And, you know, like movies like Food Matters, for example, like I was like, yes, food matters. It is. It's a thing. But it's not. It's not. It's not. Every single bite that you eat, you can eat the best organic, metabolically type diet, uh, perfect for you. But if you hate your, your job, yeah. that food could be toxic. Right? If you hate your husband or your wife or you know what I'm saying, you're going to encode that food with a different frequency, you know, and then the thing is, I'm not I'm very much a scientist. So even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about, you know, how I've been studying nutrigenomics for so many years and how every bite of food literally changes our genetic expression, you know, but there's something to be said for the stress associated with that meal, you know, and so that's what it really is, man. It. And I'm so glad you asked about this because we could talk the whole time about this topic, <laughs> but it's really the underlying psychology and how your perception of reality, you know, your worldview that matters far more than any, any food that you eat. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when you go into the fight, flight, sympathetic nervous system overdrive realm that a lot of people, you know, I think we're always kind of bouncing in between there, but a lot of people are overoccupied in that space. That's no time to deal with your, your viscera and your organs and stomach acid and the actual digestion of the food. You know, and I think it's like, it's again, we, we it's like, what's that called? Orthorexia, where you're like addicted to health yeah. as the panacea to cure whatever it is. You know, but you haven't got into the underlying things of, of actually being able to absorb that in the first place. You know, it's yeah. like, was, well, so is there anything that you can kind of like grab onto that was that's like actionable for, for how you were able to start to walk that? Or is it just time? Like, what was it? Man, you know, th there's there's different in my in my opinion, there are different paths to enlightenment. You know, and I think that food is one pathway, though. You know, let me be clear about this, because it's a lot easier to think differently and to, and to think more positively about yourself and about life in general if you feel good. You know, it does make it easier. So for a lot of people, that's why food is everything is because it's been the gateway for them to start to feel, ha have the ability to think differently and to feel differently. So I just want to make that point that it's not that it doesn't matter. I just, of course, we all know this already, but, um, but then there are many people who've reached this stage of enlightenment who are like, you know, building rockets with like, they're eating donuts and then they're like building a spaceship, you know, like they're on vending food consciousness and making amazing things happen in the world. Um, wow. For myself, that's a tough one, man. It really, it was just, I, it was just time, you know, I think there was, and I, I don't like to talk like this, but there's something to be said for suffering. You know, yeah, there's something yeah. to be said for um, hitting rock bottom and being in, in a dark place. You know, um, today our society looks at uh, problems and really depression as uh, as a medical problem yeah. and not a problem with your your being connected with life in general and getting on your mission, you know? Um, this is kind of a complex subject here. I haven't really talked this out before, but it's something that I've definitely seen clinically and also I've seen in my life firsthand. But now today, you know, working, working with so many different people over the years and working with so many physicians and hearing these terms, you know, like when I talk with Dr. Daniel Amen, which if people haven't heard of him or picked up his books, um, change your brain, change your life, change your brain, change your body. Just like he's the guy, the brain scans, like the NFL brain studies, that whole thing. He's the guy. All right. You going into a doctor's office and, you know, you have these set of symptoms and like, oh, you're depressed. Let me give you this. It's a, it's a chemical imbalance. Did you check? I mean, did you actually check? Because no, 99.9999999% of the time, they're not actually checking to see if you actually have a, quote, chemical imbalance. They're not running hormone panels. They're not doing brain scans and looking at, is there something actually going on with your brain? It's just, they're symptoms. And now today, these symptoms are clustered together as a, as a, uh, a medical problem and not a, a life and purpose problem, you know? And so for me... That time of being so down, being in so much suffering, allowed me in some strange way to choose, not choose my purpose, but 
Ah, that's oh, it's hard to explain, but to to grasp on to to to, to deciding to choose a purpose, yeah. right? Because I'm not yeah. saying that we're all ordained with some specific purpose we're supposed to find. That can make us sick and tired and crazy because so many people. I don't know what my path. I don't know what my purpose is. Yeah. It is what you say it is, you know. And of course, there's these signals and and signs, and we have gifts and talents and capacities. All of us. And certain things resonate with us more and they feel good. And I think that's a good indicator in the direction you should go because I think that we deserve to have happiness. But again, just to go back to the initial point, I think there's something to be said about suffering to help us to really grasp on and choosing what our purpose is. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, you know, I have a, a close friend of mine that's just got diagnosed with, with cancer. And uh, it's it's really interesting experience like being present with her and seeing this whole process. And I can't help but look at the process and see it as it looks to me like a long version of what I've experienced in like Amazonian ceremonies using plant medicine and such, where it's like it's really uncomfortable. But the psychological change that takes place is a product of this, you could call it depression or you know what have you, leads to kind of more of like this rumination or exploration of, of yourself and what's the point of any of this. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, and it's like, you know, it's hormesis, you know, it's like when exercise, like, oh, this sucks. We're breaking ourselves down, you know, but I think we can reframe this and take away yeah. this over medicalization of depression and make it be more something. It's like, you know, it's normal, like birth and death is normal. Going through lows is normal. I think that it's this added stress that gets created as a byproduct of being like, I don't want to be that guy. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? We just, said it. We just we've made it that it's not normal. That's the thing. We've allowed our our psyche within our culture and our and there's a construct of our society to think that it's not normal to feel bad. Like we're always supposed to be happy because happiness does feel good. But you here's a like real like hardcore bottom line. You wouldn't really know what real happiness is if you didn't have the contrast. You know, it that's what life is all about. And what's so interesting is that I think with this work and becoming aware of these things, you start to move to this place where your happiness, it, 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 it starts to grow, right? So your highs are higher, but your lows are higher. You know, that's what I, I feel. Because with this higher perspective, you can actually see even when those negative things happen, there's still meaning in it. There's still opportunity in it. As crazy as it sounds, you know, because I've seen some really, really, really tough things in my life, you know, and things that I still think about today. And I'm a very, quote, positive, optimistic tendency towards being a happier person. But I still think about my grandmother, you know, who um, my grandfather died just two years before she did. He had three open heart surgeries. You know, uh, I and I was I was so close to cracking this code myself to be able to help him. You know, so it's like even that part psychologically, like if I just would have done such and such. But um, she couldn't you know, she, she her lifeline was really tied to him. That was her meaning. That was her meaning for being alive. She tied so much to him that if I'm going to be here without him, I have no I have nothing. I have no purpose. And she had, you know, like 13 grandkids that brought her some joy, but it really brought her the most joy when he was there as well. So she overdosed on medication, man. She took all of her pills and she took her own life. And this was the woman who raised me like the most pr 
prime and influential years in my life, you know, from the years of like one to like six, seven years old, she gave me the experience and the template of unconditional love, of a value of learning. I got that from her, you know, and without her, who knows where I'd be. And so to lose her and to not have the opportunity to ask all these questions that I want to ask. And that's what the thing that gets me today is like, I wish I could have asked her about this or that and these different things. But because I went through that, of that process of losing her, what's come out of that is so much more gratitude. Number one, it's like, I don't know if I would have as much gratitude for her if she was here. I have this immense gratitude for her and for all these other people in my life. Like I value so much my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my mother-in-law, the, these amazing women, like I pay more attention to everything about them now because of losing her, you know? And again, it's not like the negative thing had to happen for this good thing to happen, but oftentimes it comes like this because it makes you really wake up and pay attention. So we got an option there too. It's like, we can stay in that. We can stay in the suffering and just wallow in it. And for a little while, people will be, they will understand. Like, oh, I, I understand that's horrible. I can't believe this has happened. I'm really sorry for you. But if it's three years later and you bump into the person, you're on that same tip of like, you know, I just can't get over whatever, then you're not going to even engage that much attention anymore for that, you know, because it's like life keeps moving. Um, <laughs> who, was, who said that? I think it was, it was either Dr. Dre or Tupac yes. when I was like, <laughs> life keeps life keeps moving. I got to keep keep on. If it's Dr. Dre, he'd be like, "Hell yeah," <laughs> as well. But you know, just even in you know a popular culture, like we know, life keeps moving. You got to keep moving with life because it's not staying still. Yeah, yeah. Something that um, I've witnessed recently is is the uh, this this correlation between self worth and the types of food that you put into your face. You know, and I think that that's another thing that we don't think about so much. You know, it's like if you believe that you're kind of like a McDonald's cheeseburger kind of guy, I'm just like a normal kind of guy. I'm nothing special. Screw it. doesn't matter. You know, but if you're like, I'm mother freaking Sean Stevenson, you know, like I eat organic kale, son. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's that it's, it's our the perception of ourself and what we deserve. And I mm -hmm. think that that's something I wonder in, in your practice, is it something that you... How do you tap on that? Because if you can't get to these underlying layers with people, it's all superficial. It's all gonna, it's gonna last a couple of weeks, you know. But if you can get Absolutely. into like that self worth component, oh, now we're, you know, it's happening. That's where the real uh, master practitioner does their work. It's not on designing a, a nutrition plan right. or an exercise plan. Pretty much anybody could do that. All right, it's really on tapping into somebody's underlying significance need you know we all have it and to what degree is the question you know and so and also that self-love as well and so my work has really been in helping people which is this is like it can be tough work to change their perception of themselves and so there's this really important understanding in psychology that the number one driving force of a human being is to stay congruent with the ideas that you carry of yourself, right? So everything you do in your life is about staying congruent with who you say, see yourself to be. Automatically, you don't think about it. You just don't think about it. You know, if you see yourself as this radically healthy person, you're just not going to do certain things. It doesn't even come up in your consciousness. 
You don't think about it. And then so many people see you as like, well, it's just you. You're, you know, you, it's easy for you. It's not that it's easy. It's the fact that I see myself differently. So it's on automatic. And so it appears to be easy. But this is just who I am. It's just as easy for you to eat those donuts. You know, it's the same thing. It's so if you have this idea that, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a sick person. I'm a, I'm a user. I'm somebody who's. Uh, I, I, I don't have money. I'm struggling financially. Um, I hurt a lot of people. Uh, I'm just talking about literally from my context when I was in school. All right. If I was to really look at it, you know, like. I was raised by an amazing woman. And so it wasn't my intention to take advantage or to mislead the different girls in school that I was, and I can't believe I'm even talking about this, as my wife is pulling up in the driveway now. This is a long time ago, <laughs> old Sean, different version of myself. But it's because, you know, that was the culture as well. And it's still prevalent today of, you know, if you're if you're a, a real tough guy, you're a you're a um you're one of the cool guys, you're somebody who's uh attractive, you're gonna take advantage of girls. Yeah. Right? And now the culture shifted so that women are doing the same thing and it's just getting all messed up and wondering why, you know, divorce rates 50 percent, you know, in certain parts of the country. Um, but so for me, just being able to analyze these things and to see, you know, those thoughts that were coming up for me um, and, and seeing how I was perceiving reality, I felt that I deserved all of the stuff that happened to me. You know, this kind of karmic weird thing. Mm -hmm. And not to say that it's not the case, but I was doing things to be congruent with who I thought myself to be. Because I thought I was a person, I just kept doing those behaviors without thinking about it. And feeding myself in a way that was congruent with that person, that idea of that person. You know, so I mean, I was like literally, I mean, I was made out of french fries, man. Like... <laughs> I was made out of uh, <laughs> um, McDonald's French fries specifically, man. You know how, and I, I wrote about this before in my first book, but you know how you would find an old French fry in your car or something like that? <laughs> couch cushion. Yeah. That happened so many times, but we never like, isn't that supposed to break down? Oh, you yeah. know? Yeah. But yeah, so I was made out of that stuff, man. And, um, you know, fake food, you're a fake person. Right. You know, so yeah, I agree, man. Yeah. Yeah, Aldous Huxley calls it opening up the doors of perception, which is like kind of getting beyond that point of who I, I think I am and the model that is Sean Stevens. This is what Sean Stevenson bangs chicks and he's awesome. You know, like that's kind of that <laughs> high school model. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. that's, that's generally a product of, of feeling some kind of void, some kind of insecurity. It makes you feel like Absolutely. a big, strong man when you do this thing. I'm, the, the conversion to kind of becoming, you know, like a legitimate man, was there some type of pushing around of the vice? Did it turn into, you know, instead of, you know, fraternizing with females in, 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 in whichever way was like, did it turn into, I don't know, something else? Or were you able to like squash the whole thing? That's a great question. Uh, so for me, I grew up in an environment where there's a lot of alcohol, a lot of drug abuse, and in in my household, not not to mention the neighborhood around me, you know, the the crack houses, the gangs. And this wasn't my entire childhood, but, you know, a few years here and there as we moved around. Um, but within the household myself, you know, I mean, 
every every weekend my stepfather was like hammered like like crazy and even through the week too you know but especially on the weekend you know we get a few days off and i remember as a kid like we used to like it because this is the only time you talk to us you know at first but then there's those levels to where it goes from being more loving engaging to being very violent you know and so i was able to discern which again you're either a product of your environment or uh, so for a lot of people, they're, they're either just like their parent or they're the exact opposite, you know. And so I was able to choose, you know, I don't want that. I don't want to be that person ever. And so I was able to steer clear of that no interest whatsoever. And even to this day, like I've, and it's not that I'm super prude or something like that, but you know, I'll sip some wine here or there. But you know, I I drank, I, I got quote drunk one time, which I don't even know if that's really what drunk is. It was a little weird when I stood up, <laughs> stuff was moving a little bit. But I just never had that that attraction. So I definitely wasn't going to fall into that pattern. So you just said it. My advice, that thing, that word, for me, what in my culture, is, again, is another thing to indulge in and to mark myself with was that. And I remember, like, when this all happened, I remember I didn't want this. I didn't set out with this intention because we all do these things for our underlying reasons, things that generally hurt people hurt people, you know. And I remember... Uh, you know, my first little girlfriend when I was in high school and that didn't turn out very well. So I'm just like, I'm never doing this again. You know, I'm never going to put myself out there. Yeah. Lo and behold, time goes on. And I just, I didn't know the, I don't remember the catalyst, but I was looking for something. You know, I definitely was looking for something. And whether it's, you know, love from my, uh, the women in my life that I wasn't getting, the people who I trusted in, losing that trust. Um, and not, not talking about my grandmother, but you know, my mother, for example, or, um, you know, having that incident happen when I was younger and having this girlfriend and, you know, things not working out. We, we try to fill a void and you just you, you said it would, would it move over into something unhealthy. And for me, that's the thing. We have that opportunity because we all have this compulsive nature to fill our lives with something. We have to we have to do something, you know, we're not just, you know, it's kind of like this whole thing of human beings, human doings. We have to do something, whether it's TV, whether it's uh, relationships, whether it's food. So for me, I moved all of this kind of um, assertive, uh, compulsive behavior into gracefully putting pieces into my life that are healthy, you know, so and I definitely went through some compulsive parts where it wasn't healthy. Let me make that clear. With, because I, I, I did obsessive amount of cleansing, you know, like all these different fasts. So this was over 10, well, this, was, this was 10 years ago now. But before the whole juice cleanse word was out there, you know, I'm doing like all this experimentation, fasting, taking all these crazy supplements, um, stuff that was really even dangerous, you know, like that, I mean, messed me up. Because of this, like, I'm trying to cleanse myself because I'm so, you know, and I never thought about this psychologically, but I just had this thing where I'm, I'm not clean enough, you know, which is crazy. And so, but that evolved itself into things that are much more beautiful and balanced and to have that opportunity to choose because I could choose that compulsion or I can choose presence, you know. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said something I love, which is the hurt people hurt people. And hurt people also hurt themselves. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's just that it's yes. it, that, that cycle, it's breaking that cycle. I think we can do that through like, you know, our, our, our lineage, our ancestry, our family line, or with, you know, at our individual cells. One thing I was just reading about this morning was the, uh, how much more electromagnetic fields are coming off of the heart than the brain, something like 5,000 times more. You know, so it's like this analogy that popped up was, was it seems to me like westernized culture is kind of on this pilgrimage away from the heart and the body and into the frontal lobe, you know, into the, into the mind, into the chatter. And what we're seeing is we're seeing depression becoming, you know, soon to be coming, coming soon, the number one leading cause of disability in the world. You know, and it's like, oh. Ironic, <laughs> you know that that's, that connection. I wonder, is there anything that you've kind of like reaccessing your your wholeness that you've kind of does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. You know, I got to point out a a big uh, faux pas here that a lot of people do is we'll look for that wholeness in someone else, you know. And we're we're marketed to in in our culture again, even the classic Jerry Maguire line, you know, you complete me. Uh, it sounds so good, so romantic. And there's even a component of that that's real if you consciously choose it. But it's really understanding like you already you are already everything that you need. You are whole and complete already. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just I, I love the fact and I actually was just writing about this before we got on to to this call and um, how my wife, she didn't. She didn't change me by trying to change me. You know, she just created a space for me yeah. to be more myself, you know, and she didn't know she was doing this. A lot of times it doesn't work that way, but that's really what happened. And so just getting back to this culture that we're all experiencing. So by the way, so HeartMath, the people interested in what you just talked about, yeah. HeartMath Institute, phenomenal, phenomenal, crazy stuff will blow your mind. But your heart, basically you're emitting an electromagnetic field from your heart that can be measured. Uh, I think it's a magnetoencephalograph or something like that that can measure this. And it's like eight feet, upwards of like eight feet from your body. So really when you get around people, you really are in their energy field and they're in yours. And it just is happening. And then um, it was Princeton University found that just within a couple of minutes, like two minutes of being in a conversation with another person, face to face in the presence, in their presence, your brains literally sync up. If there's rapport, your brains sync up. Your brain waves sync up. Like you guys are doing the same thing with your brain waves like that. We're wired up that way. You know, so we want to be mindful of that, who we're talking to, but also we want to be mindful to bring bring it to it. Instead of you being a victim of your circumstances, of your environment, whatever the energy is, you bring the energy to it. Don't be so influenced. You know, because again, even that influence that we're taking, it's still a choice. We're still allowing ourselves to receive that, you know. So that's what it's really about for me is just becoming more conscious, more aware of these moments and starting to live our life being a little bit more aware that we are aware, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's called rhythmic entrainment. You know, same thing happens with music when you get similar waves together all of a sudden the amplitude increases and that's kind of what happens when you get groups of smart people together or you know horrible evil people together it's gonna right. it can go either way you know it's, right the justice league or the injustice league right. they both got superpowers yes for sure yeah yeah and so it kind of comes more into like you know my interest is how this 
affects the physical body and the physical tissue. You know, and it's, I think it's, it's inseparable. Our emotional felt state is inseparable from our physical posturing. You know, it's, it's, you see like the victory position, increased testosterone and decreased cortisol, blah, 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 and the opposite with the depressed position. I think there's the same thing with every other position in the body. Mm. You know, we just haven't studied it, you know, mapped it out. Yeah. Have you, have you brought any kind of like, what's your movement practice look like in relation to all this stuff? Wow. Oh my goodness. That's, that's evolved for sure. Um, you know, of course we're both standing right now as we're doing, <laughs> doing this. And, um, I, I, man, that's such a great question. You know, I started off just doing the low hanging fruit, whatever I knew, because a lot of times we pick up our practices from the people around us, coaches, things like that. And the little that they know, the little we know. And, it it just grows from there as you become more i i think the word is like wow what would i call this you're asking me some great questions man um <laughs> physical literacy yeah you know? kinesthetic literacy is what tom myers calls it yeah but yeah so are. being more physically aware physically literate um is something that kind of has evolved for me first of all it's about just being fit you know, having a six pack, then it just kind of evolved more into being functional. And then from there, it evolved into being real, you know, being more human, which that all of that other stuff prior to that is a part of that, you know, and I just saw a picture with Tony Robbins today, he posted on Instagram with uh, this tribe in New Guinea. And all these guys are fit, you know, <laughs> these and they got on like grass skirts and bow and arrows. <laughs> They're all fit, all right? Tony's like two feet taller than them, but they're all like physically fit, you know? And, you know, Tony, he's, he's doing okay for where he's at, you know? But that level of fitness is really because they're more human. And it's really as simple as that. They're not sitting out there doing uh, the ab wheel, you know what I'm saying? And so that's what it is, man. For me, it's just how can I be more human in these moments? Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, have you ever heard of a guy called Lane McGillchrist? Wrote a book called Master and His Emissaries, got a TED talk in relation to separation of the hemispheres throughout our history. And now, a word from our sponsors. I'm just joking. We lost connection for a brief moment there, uh, but we're back at it. I hope you guys are absolutely loving the conversation thus far. And here we go. Uh, well, so what I, what I was what I was saying before we got got cut off was um, Lay McGillchrist, Master and His Emissary, this separation between our hemispheres throughout history, and essentially is a product of of modernity and our culture becoming hyper analytical creatures. And one of the interesting things that he mentions in that is that the left hemisphere, and they're always working, you know, in, in union, but left hemisphere tends to be kind of like the broadcasting company. It's, it's louder, it has a louder voice than the right side. And so it's, and it's something that we see in our culture, you know, it's like anything that could be potentially considered woo or pseudoscience is like stomped out. No, you know, and in that, I think we miss all of this, this inexplicable aspects of ourselves. You know, we were kind of like glorifying the computer. You know what I'm saying? Is that crazy? Not at all. Not at all. That's powerful, man. That's very, very powerful. And I think that's, if we just take a honest assessment, I it sounds very true and accurate, you know. Um, but th what's so interesting also is that 
that awareness as we're becoming more aware of stuff like that it's still it's still an opportunity it's still a choice for us you know to choose to to be that person or to not be it because i don't think our awareness is going to backtrack anytime soon hmm. you know i think that it can get channeled and siphoned into some unsavory things you know where for example uh a good friend of mine he's a learning expert you know accelerated learning expert and he's really shown us that we've really outsourced our brain to our phones you know like how many phone numbers do you actually know now mm. it's well, may maybe one two upwards of five tops you know every phone number is because our phone is doing it for us whereas when we were kids like i knew everybody's phone number you know and but what is happening to that mental capacity well some of it is getting a little bit trimmed down but now it's getting more put into, it could be more put into, an ex, into anxiety. You know, it could get more put into uh, business development and creativity or whatever the case may be. We're going to continue to have evolving awareness and consciousness. But as we become more aware, it's still important to remember that there's still a fundamental human template you know, and to maintain that curiosity. I think that's an important word as well, because where we can stomp out, stomp out the woo-woo is where we're lacking that ability to be curious. And, you know, geniuses like Einstein, literally when we have a genius come about in our culture, we call them an Einstein. And he talks about how curiosity is likely the most important char characteristic, imagination and curiosity and being a genius and being a scientist, he would do all of these imagination experiments where he's like riding on a rainbow and crazy stuff like that, you know, and it's because of that capacity that we have. So we want to as, as much as that part of our brain starts to try to stomp out that ability to be curious, we need to just check ourselves and bring ourselves back. And, and I, I think it's pretty easy if we take on the attitude of being a, a lifetime student, you know, so even though people might think that, you know, I know all of this stuff, even if somebody comes in front of me and they're telling me about like they're they're telling me about something that I know, like I intimately know this subject, whether it's, you know, it might be let's they're talking about uh, muscle fiber types. Right. And they're just going in about these hybrid muscle fibers. And I'm just, you know, I could just be like, oh, whatever. I know this already. But instead, I choose to fully listen and to learn something even though I know it, which doesn't seem to make sense, but it does. I get to hear it a different way. You know, even if he's saying word for word what I've said, which has happened, you know, somebody will learn something from me and then they'll tell it to me, forgetting that I'm the one that told them. <laughs> you know, this has happened a lot of times. And I'm just like, I love, I, I'll, I hear different sound in their voice, a different tenor, a different um, inflection points, uh, different differences in word choice, you know, like there's always something there to, to, to take from, to gain something from. So I hope that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. So you mentioned Einstein. One of my favorite quotes from him is, uh, I'd say, an intuitive mind is a sacred gift and a rational mind is a faithful servant, you know, Ooh, and it's, yeah. And it's like, if you were to ask Einstein, if he's like an artist or a scientist, he'd be like, what, he'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? You know, right. 
I do it all, baby. Like that's <laughs> right. You know, it's like there's. It's like being a you know a priest and a doctor. It's not as strong as being a priest doctor. If you're able to to inhabit both of those components, you can touch too all those analytical aspects of you know modern medicine and also have that heartfelt experience. So even in that situation with the person telling you regurgitating information, maybe your place in that in that position is is being empathetic and really hearing what this person's trying to say that maybe isn't those literal words. Yeah. Oh man, absolutely. That's so and it, there's this underlying there's this underlying beauty in all of that too, you know, and Man, that just brings me back to the beginning of the conversation and how things could be so dark and and ugly, you know, but there's always this this opportunity for beauty to be present, you know, and I think in those moments where you can be somebody who is, you know, feeling very self-entitled and and a smarty pants, as my uh, younger cousin used to say when we were kids, Um <laughs> but you have the opportunity there to to love you know a little bit a little bit deeper to have, be more compassionate and caring and understanding and patient all these virtues people talk about we always have opportunities for this stuff in this strangest places but oftentimes when we think about that we think about well I need to go and donate to pencils for promise or pencils <laughs> for promise or whatever the case might be just do that in your normal life you know, it's like you have opportunities for that every single day, all day. You know, and I think that's really what grows us more so than feeling good about, you know, I'm going, I take a trip to to Africa and I take a picture with a bunch of kids. And now, you know, like, look at, look at me. I've, I've, I've achieved something. I've given something. Not to, not to say that that's not valuable. Not to say that's not valuable. But what are you doing it for? Really? What are you doing it for? And... Is this is this something that's transpiring and, and bleeding over into other parts of your life? You know, that's really what it's about. Because if you're going over and you know you're donating a bunch of money and you're going and taking some pictures with a bunch of kids that you're helping, and then you're a dick to the person you uh, order your food from, you know, or the the person on the airplane when you're getting on the airplane uh, and you don't have the seat that you want or whatever the case might be, we have a problem here. You know, and so it's really about being more human, you know, overall. And of course, we're, it's not about being perfect. We're all going to get irritated. We're all going to have do things that, you know, we're not proud of at some point. But how quickly can you catch yourself? You know, how quickly can you say these two most important words in any relationship, which is I'm sorry? You know, I think that's a very evolved uh, skill set. You know, it's I think it's a skill we develop. Because I don't know if I'm sorry comes that natural to us, you know. So yeah, yeah man. Yeah, that's it's that's and that's the skill set that exists throughout um, any culture that comes from the sticks, you know. And it's it's until you have an overabundance of all this information coming like at you all the time, you know. Then I think that your intuition becomes more of more of a tool that you use from day to day. But we're kind of and I think that if there's anything that would change the world, there's a lot of things, but I think just, just trusting ourselves, you know, it's like we're, it's almost like the people that are playing with that world of starting to trust their intuition or having empathy or connection with people that can get stomped out really quickly. Again, from that like left hemisphere analogy, you know, but it's, it's being able to persevere through that and say like, you know what, I'm going to be still, I'm going to listen. 
you know, but you know what I'm saying? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, but how often are we doing that? <laughs> it's, that's, it's a practice, you know, and it's, we're not practicing. So it's hard. So is that a, another just underlying shout out for everybody to make it a practice? You know, because I think that's really going back all the way to the beginning of this this story of how I was able to transition from being this. Um, what would we call this? I, I guess the <laughs> I guess the caterpillar, like gross looking caterpillar version of myself um, to being the person that I am today was having that practice, you know, of being still of really exploring the inner world, you know, working in, not just working out, you know? And so that practice, there was a time for three years, every day, maybe I missed like two or three days total in, in three years that I did this, um, this meditation. And I, again, very science minded. And the person, my mother-in-law who taught me the meditation, she appealed to my, to my analytical science brain, you know, and showed me like all of this history, all of this, you know, stuff with Ayur- Ayurvedic medicine. And I was like, okay, let's go for it. And for me, this was a heart meditation. They call it the, An- the Anahata Chakra meditation. And then there's, you know, the Vishuddhi and that kind of thing. There's all these different meditations for these different um, uh, energy spots that align with glands in our bodies, endocrine glands. So anyways, I did this meditation. It was 32 minutes. So it took, you know, this is a nice chunk of time every day. And, but I didn't see it like that. It was just a part of my morning ritual. And my life, that, if I could tell you one thing for certain, that's helped me to become the person that I am today, it's meditation. It's, 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 it was doing that practice more so than anything I did with nutrition or diet or books or anything like that was doing that meditation practice. Because what started to happen was, that started to bleed over into other areas of my life. No longer was I so reactionary, you know, and just, I was a a ticking time bomb. Like I was looking for problems. Like a lot of us are, we're constantly looking for problems. And that's part, we're kind of hardwired to do that. So I start to have this space, this development of this space that, man, and even this, my grandmother passed away during this time in the very early stages of this. And I remember when I got the news, like I had space there. I didn't just immediately drop down on my knees like because it was very sudden, but I had this space where I got to think about all the options. Like there was so much there and there was this very strange, and I've never articulated this before, but it was like I got to choose my response. I got to choose my response. And not to say that it didn't hurt or that it wasn't confusing or that all these other things, but I can see, I witnessed all of those things. I can see all of these things happening. And it didn't take me over. It didn't devastate me, you know? And so that's a bigger example, but those those things would happen just in daily life that would normally, you know, throw somebody off their game, but it wouldn't touch this, this core, this space that was able to grow. You know, we all have this tiny space that is able to grow as we practice. 
and nothing ever touches that space. You can still have peace no matter what's going on around you. Yeah, that's you know that's uh, there's I don't remember what the word is in Japanese, but there's a, there's a specific word for this this type of spaciousness that you're talking about, you know, and creating spaciousness in every situation. So showing up ten minutes early instead of one minute late, you know, and that being the metaphor for all aspects. And you can look at that from like a physical level as well, and saying like joint centration, having balanced joints gives you more space or room for error. If you're always backed up against the wall then you're automatically going to be in this fight flight response because you're backed up against the wall. That's what animals do. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I, true. Yeah. Love that analogy, man. I absolutely love that. And like you said, just even having that more space in the joints and that flexibility, what that provides you with is more opportunity to, you know, if something negative happens, mm -hmm. you know, you can bounce back. You can, you can, you can handle and absorb that pressure. You know, whereas if if you're already that that integrity of the of the joint is already just hanging on by a thread and something happens. Th that can be the end of it, you know, and so I, I absolutely love that analogy. Like, I want to I want to hear that again. <laughs> so everybody just push, the, push the rewind button, the little 15 minute jump back a couple of times. Listen to that again. That's powerful. It was so, um, man, I, I respect your work so much. I respect you know, just your presence you know it's always it's always really sweet to get to see you and get to have you here so thanks um how, how do people find more about your work and i i by the way i i suggest your sleep 21 what is it 21 ways to sleep and smarter is that how it goes yeah sleep smarter 21 strategies to sleep your way to a better body better health bigger success yeah yeah i uh, suggest that to tons of clients and it's helped a lot of people so how do people thank you people find that i appreciate it yeah so actually just last week, and I, I told everybody because I was, I expect greatness for sure. I think it's important to have some expectation. But I did that with the physical book, but with the audio book, which I put so much into, when it when it came out, I just didn't think about it, whatever. Like, it's just like, it's out there as another option for people. But it went to number one in the country in health and fitness on Audible, right. uh, which is like the highest, obviously the highest ranking that it could get. And I was just I was floored, like my jaw dropped. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. So the audio book is now available uh, as of last week and um, the physical book itself. And you can go to sleepsmarterbook.com and you can pick it up there from Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, whatever you like to, to purchase your books on. But at sleepsmarterbook.com, I did 21 free videos. So a 21 video series for Sleep Smarter. For each chapter, there's a, a accompanying video to walk people through and add some little extra value, which we put a lot into, but I don't tell people about enough. My wife the other day, she was like, why don't you tell people about the videos? <laughs> and so I've been making a mandate because I'm most times just like, hey, go to Barnes and Noble, go to your local bookstore, go to Amazon. But if you go to sleepsmarterbook.com, after you pick up a book, you get that for free, the 21 video series and a couple other cool bonuses there as well. And of course, people can check me out on my podcast, The Model Health Show. Uh, just look, look me up wherever you're listening to your podcast. And um, yeah, that's it, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're one of the best guys I know, man. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Well, cool. Uh, if you make it to the Northwest, Seattle, uh, Highway 1, surf mission, slash you know, edu <laughs> education, all that stuff. Let me know. Hit me up. Oh, for sure, man. It'll happen sooner than later, man. Cool, brother. Appreciate it. Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your support. 
Um, jump on to the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find the blog. You can find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. You can find podcasts, show notes, learn more about the guests and all that stuff. And uh, from there, please and thank you in advance for utilizing the affiliate uh, Amazon link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Jump on there, click on that link. Anytime you buy some crap on Amazon, uh, they kick down seven odd percent towards the Align Podcast Foundation, and it is greatly, greatly helpful for the funding of the show. Thank you as well to Audible.com. That is A-U-D-I-B-L-E.com. They are the world's premier uh, organization website in uh, audiobooks. Really amazing quality. Got every freaking book you could possibly imagine. Uh, they got me through traveling through Europe, traveling through Africa, traveling all over the country, and uh, it's been been great. The book that I went with when I uh, got my, my free gift from Audible was uh, Shantaram, which is a very nice, nice story. Uh, and it is huge, which is a bonus. So no matter what size of the book, it's all free. And uh, the quality is impeccable. And so yeah, I would recommend getting on there and getting something with a whole whole lot of pages. Get your value on that thing. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. What else do we have? We have the uh, self-care kit. I hope you guys enjoy that. It is uh, on the website or Amazon. It's a hollow foam roller, screw-on lids, two different size myofascial release balls, door anchors so you can adjust the height of that band. Get your self-care practice going. Keep those tissues moving, sexy and smooth, the way they deserve. Um, thank you for reviews on iTunes. That is greatly appreciated. Helps the algorithm gods know that people are tuning into this podcast and enjoying it. Five stars, por favor. And I think that could be it. Thank you all. I really do genuinely appreciate your support. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being you. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.